All right. Hi, guys. Welcome back to a very special episode of The Legends of Next Week. I'm your host, Mary. I'm Edith. I'm Kate. I use she, her pronouns. I also use she, her pronouns. Also use she, her pronouns. Always remember. And this week we're joined with two very special guests that we could not be happier to be talking with this week. So if you'd like to introduce yourselves, go right ahead. Sure. Hey, I'm Morgan Faust. Also use she, her pronouns. And I'm a writer on Legends of Tomorrow. Hey! What's my name? Oh, I'm Adam Zachman. <laughs> I play Gary Green on Legends of Tomorrow. <laughs> and like I said, um, I speak for all of the hosts here that we are just so honored that all of you could take time out of your days and your schedules to meet with us just to talk about legends. It's again, um, I know we're all going through it after the cancellation news, but it's- Yeah, so my nice busy crying you. schedule. I had to yeah, really work exactly. yeah. <laughs> our busy crying schedule as well. We carve out our crying time for the podcast and then go back to it. Um, so it's the podcast pregame, if you will. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or it's like, it's like the scene in Midsummer when everyone's crying together. That's what it's, it's like. It's best to cry together. I think we've uh, learned that. Um, I love Midsummer. That's a great movie. Yeah. <laughs> so we have just a couple of questions just for all of you to get started just in talking about the show and all of its various elements. Yeah. Um, and just like to get started. So Morgan, if I can start with you, um, just kind of one of our first questions is kind of what drew you to becoming a writer, specifically screenwriter and what brought you to Legends? You came on to Legends in season three, I believe. Yes, that's right. You too, right, Adam? We all started yeah, at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. same time. Um, yeah, I always worked. I mean, no, that's not true. I suppose I was a waitress for a while. But once I started having a career of some sort, I've always worked in film and TV, although I grew up in Boston where that sort of thing didn't happen all that often. So it's not I wasn't one of those kids who imagined from an early time that I would end up writing TV. Um, I certainly watched enough of it, but I just didn't I just never occurred to me that that was really a career one could have until I was uh, in college and I was interviewing for a job and the guy got a phone call. He had been friends with Lauren Bouchard, the producer of now Bob's Burgers, but back then a wonderful cult show called Dr. Katz, who I, that I was a huge fan of on Comedy Central. And so I was like, I can't believe you know Lauren Bouchard. That's crazy. And he was like, Morgan... The job you're here to interview for, you've shown like half the enthusiasm for that phone call I just got. So he called Lauren back and he's like, will you take an interview for an internship with this crazy girl? And so Lauren said yes. And I went and I interviewed and I got an internship with them. And I've never told this story before, actually. But the first day on the job, I don't think they knew what to do with an intern. So they just left me in this room and I fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I fell asleep waiting for somebody to tell me what I was supposed to do <laughs> um which fortunately Lauren is like a good guy and he was just like he came over and woke me up and he's like I guess we got to find something for you <laughs> um and so I interned there with them for a summer which was great and it just completely changed my life because I just realized Oh, I could work in television and film. And um, it was a long winding road from there. I ended up in documentary for a long time and I produced a bunch of um, indie features, things in the, the mumblecore world. Um, and then 
when I finally moved to LA, once I realized like, oh, that's, that's where it's happening. I moved out here with my brother. He and I, um, he's a film director, Max Isaacson, and we moved out together. And, um, I finally, uh, I finally found where I belonged, which was in a writer's room and got insanely lucky that my first job was on Legends of Tomorrow, my first and only job. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> so, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, Adam, this is for you. Gary mm-hmm. is a favorite character here, obviously, <laughs> here on the podcast. How did you find Gary's character? How do you think Gary has matured and evolved through his struggles on the show? Uh, well, how did I find Gary? Uh, after I was hired, uh, first I was found by Grania Godfrey, who, uh, amazing writer, friend of mine and Morgan's and colleague. And she contacted me and was like, we're working on this character. I think you'd be good. You should audition. Uh, and I was like, that's amazing. Thank you for contacting me and thinking about me, uh, for this. And when I got the audition, I, the scenes that I had to read were fake, Um, but I thought they were hilarious. And I just kind of thought about, you know, I could tell that he's kind of a, uh, you know, tries very hard uh, to do the right thing and fails very successfully at everything he tries. So the idea of somebody, who continually, continuously sort of fails and yet has a positive outlook and demeanor and, and um, is ready to like go for the next thing uh, I found attractive. And also, um, you know, like I, I identified with that because I kind of have a sunny personality, just kind of like Gary. Um, you know, hopefully I'm a little better at doing things than he is, but probably not. Uh, and, uh, and then I think, as Gary evolved, he started, he started, I can't speak English. He sorted, started uh, having his own voice and speaking up for himself and defending uh, his honor so that he wasn't sort of constantly the butt of everyone's joke. <laughs> I'm hearing that. So um, my question is for Morgan, how are episodes divided amongst the writer's room? Do you get assigned something? Are you allowed to champion an episode idea? Something like that. We start like the new first day, which we call the blue sky day on any episode. I mean, the season, traditionally what we would do is at the end of the season, we'd have what we'd call our postmortem, which was what worked from the season, what didn't work. And then we would start to brainstorm where we wanted everybody to go. Usually we'd leave ourselves with some saying, you know, like there's a dragon head. I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> okay, great. Now what? And so like, we don't necessarily think it through entirely partially because that was the spirit of the show, which would just be like, we trust ourselves and throw ourselves in like any, you know, character. You throw yourself into the, the adventure and you find it. So, you know, like when Constantine shows up with the dragon head, then we had to sort of figure out, well, what did that mean? How far did we want to go with that? And so we would end the season and sort of come up with a loose pitch for what the next season would be. So we always have a like a wall up with like where we imagine each character is going to go over the course of the season so then when it comes to episode to episode we start day one with what's called the blue sky which will people be like what about elvis what about you know what about james brown what about if we go to camelot what if we go inside gideon's brain like you know people will just start listing off you know a genre oh we haven't done a kung fu movie oh it'd be fun to do our western or you know we have 
a, just a huge wall of ideas that um, we write down over the whole year. We just keep jotting them down, being like, how do we get Katie in a breakdancing movie, a la The Warriors? Um, so, you know, we always have that wall. And then just somebody might be like, this season we had a great moment where Leah um, Poulet wrote, you know, she was like, you know, I've been doing a little research on the Black Rosies. And so that was just a like thing that she was interested in. And so then that idea will start getting kicked around. People will get excited. So we have a blue sky day like that, which sort of gets us some ideas of where we want to go. If it, if it isn't already determined, sometimes the previous episode will require something. Then we do what's called, we break out the emotional journeys for each character, which we usually break things into an A, B and C story, pair people off. And we give, you know, each one of those stories usually belongs to one character. So let's say it was Gary. So we'd be like, what's Gary going through? What is his journey? What is like the four beats of a story for Gary? How is he going to cope with this? Whatever, you know, how's he going to tell Gideon he loves her or something? And so we would break that out and then, you know, break a plot around where they're going to be and the emotional journeys they have to have. And usually there's some plot service we have to do. Oh, they have to, we have to find a part for the time machine. We got to get to Gwen's house. You know, there'll be some plot that needs to be moved forward. And it's usually not until we've got what we call the story area, which is kind of the rough sketch, the three page, four page rough sketch of all those things I just talked about, that once that has been, you know, written up and sent into the studio, that's when the writers will be told who's writing this episode. So what that does is just great. It keeps everyone equally invested, you know, and not, I mean, our team is wonderful and everyone cares about, you know, everyone's success. So there wasn't any of that like ego, but like, I think it does make it so that everybody's showing up and trying to, you know, um, give, give their all to every episode. Um, sometimes you'll kind of have an inkling in advance uh, just looking at the schedule, you'll kind of be like, oh, I'm, I'm probably due, but you don't know until you know. So it, it, it isn't necessarily, a, you don't really get to know like, oh, I, I can't wait to do an episode about, um, you know, speakeasies in the 1920s. Uh, so I'm going to force that one in because like it could end up in anybody's script. So um, I, I, mean, I think that was a wonderful part of the way the show worked. All of us were equally invested and equally knowledgeable about all characters because you weren't ever like, oh, I'm the person who writes Sarah. Like that, you know, it wasn't like that. Everyone has to find their voices. That's so cool. I'm just geeking out a little bit yeah. right now. Just hearing <laughs> it all. I'm sorry. I mean, and then once you're on script, you can have fun with it, you know? I'll, like, I'll say um, Nate and Gary's friendship during that episode is like freaking fantastic. That's one of our favorite Nate and Gary. I love it too. And I mean, and, and like, I just want to, you know, we've Adam into this, like, I, again, I've never worked on any other show, so I don't know, but we try very hard to work with our actors, like, even before, like, we get to know you guys, like, I'm friends with Adam, like, I know, yeah. you know, things Adam's interested in, we know that Tala could play violin, we know, you know, that Jess and Katie can dance, uh, so we would try our best to kind of weave in the things that our actors cared about and were good about at doing so they could showcase their talents and have fun with it. Or if they wanted to play a whole new character, we'd go, okay, Tala, <laughs> no problem. <laughs> um, and, but then down to the, like the line level, you know, Adam and I were just talking today, like in Necromancing the Stone, you know, Adam and I, that was maybe my 
that was only my third episode, but I was up there for the B story, which sometimes tends to be more fun. There's less weight being held by the B mm-hmm. story. And so in that case, it was, it was, it was um, Ava and Constantine and Gary trying to find Sarah. And like, we were all messing around and the three of them came up with that doctor who joke that's in there. And he's like, I'm not, I'm not Dr. Bloody. What's his name? Who, who exactly. And that was the three of them. You know, it's like, it's a very collaborative team. And we, and I think the strength of the show is that everyone's, you know, encouraged to shine, like bring it. <laughs> totally. And related to that, Morgan and I are still not clear whether the kiss was scripted. We don't think it was. <laughs> I but find the script. I was trying to find it this morning. Like, <laughs> I think from what I remember, I think, uh, I, I think matches went for it. And I think so too. Just in, is it like a euphoric sort of uh, place? <laughs> And then, and then, you know, I thought it was just, it was perfect. That was, Gary would for sure be super like, oh my God, that's incredible. Um, and, I mean, that was uh, the thing, like, I don't, when we created Gary, because also when we created Gary, he was a parking validator. Like, we weren't <laughs> yeah. like, oh, he's a pansexual alien. Like, we... <laughs> oh, that wasn't in the so that's something that like we found through those moments and ran with them. You know, that was a great thing about the show. Like when Mick became a romance novelist, like we just thought that would be pretty funny to find out in the time loop. And then it became like his entire story. I love it though. So great. I love that about the show. It would just be like whatever seeds were planted were like someone mentioned a red button in the bathroom in like season four, it really paid off in season seven. <laughs> <laughs> Chekhov's toilet, essentially. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah, just hearing the way um, both of you talk, because um, with the podcast, we've just been going season by season and going through it. And a show like essentially started as a patchwork of other Arrowverse projects. And I like how that, just like from the way you're describing the passion of the writer's room and all of the actors, you can tell that it's a patchwork behind the scenes too of everyone's <laughs> loves and interests. And yeah. that's amazing. I know that's one of the saddest parts. I mean, we truly all love each other. Like we yep. really do enjoy each other's company. True, absolutely. Yeah. I can just like, maybe this will kind of feed in. So uh, my next question is for Adam. Mm-hmm. And so, just like as a pod question, we love the wedding dress scene and the speech to Ava before her wedding in season six, and and uh, one of. Uh, Morgan, your episodes, Eggplant, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Ava mentioned she has unresolved Gary issues when they're wandering out <laughs> Ikea. It's hilarious. So uh, we know that you and Jess... That's right. <laughs> we know that you and um, Jess are friends. And so we're just wondering, how has Gary and Ava's relationship developed all the way back in season three when they were kind of like good cop, bad cop uh, to <laughs> kind of uh, where uh, they are now? A lot. I mean, I can con- like I specifically remember that scene you mentioned where she's writing her vows, where I really wasn't even like I stopped acting in the moment. I was just like watching Jess and I was like, wow, she's amazing. She is so good right now. Oh, my God. I'm like I'm like crying, but not as Gary, just as Adam, like watching her incredible performance. So, I mean, I was very lucky to have my wagon hitched to Jess's because she's she's like incredible so like I you know uh the more important she became <laughs> luckily uh in in the legends world the more Gary got to like stick around ah, as long as I'm like near Ava I'm I'm safe um 
But uh, as for the unresolved Gary issues, I don't know what that is particularly referring to, Morgan. I thought our Gary issues were totally great and and nothing that needed to be resolved or or. or she's not. very hard on you, so I feel like well, that was the thing that was like. Wasn't she's... she kind of hard on everyone? That was kind no, of no. She thing. made she's you do her like... overtime work without being paid. Yeah, but that's because I, you know, Gary's probably <laughs> fucked up a bunch of times, and that was like his detention. You know, <laughs> we did. I remember when when I when I first got the part, uh, Grania told me she's like. Gary, he's like, he's bad at his job. We don't really know how he got this job. Like, <laughs> is, is his dad in the government and like got him the job or like what? Like, how has he not been fired? Like, none of that. The number of very... conversations we then had when it was like, oh my God, Gary's an alien who's been yeah, planted like, at the Time Bureau. And we're like, did Rip go to the future and make a deal with oh my god <laughs> we have a question like, that actually did rip know that gary was an alien we've been testing this for the long <laughs> i know we have two uh rip never told us no i don't know it was definitely <laughs> a, an ongoing debate of being like how did this all go down when did it go down and so you know, I, I have to admit that we didn't fully resolve that, you know, I think we've resolved more on what Gary truly is, which is the, he really became a heart, like the heart of the show, he and Gideon in so many ways. And that what Gary truly did was love people. And of all people, the person he admired the most was Ava. And like that seemed to us to be the most relevant, important piece of the, the whole story. <laughs> totally. You were mentioning Rip and it just makes me think that rip took an ava from the future and was like yeah gary's here sure <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah, it's like our like adventure in star trek <laughs> um, okay i have the question for you morgan it was like how was it to write and produce two seasons back to back and during a pandemic because that's actually hard it was it was intense and you know i mean i think the thing that it was certainly a learning curve at first because we weren't allowed to go to set um mm -hmm. and as i've said like so much of what we did was so collaborative and you know we were bringing on new characters spooner was coming on for the first time and um you know and berad was fairly new too and we hadn't had that much of an opportunity to get to know some of our people and so it was definitely a learning curve of trying to figure out how we could be present for our production team, who is incredibly talented and seasoned. And we're really lucky, especially we have this wonderful producing director, Kevin Mock, who had been an editor Amazing. and then moved into a directing role and then became the producing director. And so he became, I think, just an, the like the captain of the ship up there because he yep. was able to answer all these questions and handle so many of the things that usually fall to the writers. Cause usually when we're up there, we just sit quietly next to the director and, you know, support the director and give feedback and help the actors if something's not making sense or- Until the they, actor says, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. <laughs> well, I remember Nick Zano used to say, like, you'd look at large chunks of exposition and be like, this is what we call Burbank. You know, cause that's where we write in Burbank. And he's like, you I don't think you've ever tried to say these words out loud, have you? Um, and <laughs> so, uh, you know, the, the season six, I feel like was our growing season of like, what does it feel like to be on Zoom and how do we connect and how do we, you know, it's hard to have a 13 person conversation all the time. Some ideas are best grown one-on-one. -on -one, so we had to learn how to do that. But by season seven, I think we really did find a groove and we were able to start going back up 
Mm -hmm. Um, But it's a lot of work on this team, the production team and the directors to like, every time you have a question to have to email or call somebody is, you know, it's exhausting. (laughs) Um, But we relied a lot on our actors. I mean, our actors know our character. They know their characters really well. And so we relied on them a lot and we would reach out and say, hey, you know, read the script, call us, let us know, let's talk about it. You know, we just tried to get ahead of it as much as possible so that we could figure out all of the Oh, as many of the things as we could before they'd start shooting. You know, the days are crazy. I mean, I mean, Adam can speak to that, but they shoot long days and it's hard and it's a lot of work and there's stunts and lots of costumes and hair and like <laughs> not having a writer there to make sure that it helps make sense can really slow a day down. So we had to find ways around that, but they did a great job. I mean, everyone up in Vancouver made it happen. Uh, we, yeah, I mean, look, I think, uh, it was challenging when we had uh, story or script questions um, that we couldn't, you know, collaborate with the writers in person. Um, but you know, then uh, the kids just took over, and we uh, made the decisions. <laughs> and luckily, and yeah, sometimes we look at footage and be like, "What? <laughs> yeah, what is that? We didn't write that. We didn't do that." <laughs> but then some of those moments are the best moments, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean yeah it was an it was incredible that that we were able to uh you know keep shooting despite the pandemic or you know util- being able to have such a huge number of people together in a room and and not having covid become like a disastrous spread throughout was incredible so the crew was really unbelievable are unbelievable they're still alive (laughs) (laughs) the cw has murdered everyone (laughs) that's how they cancel a show it's like episode 509 when the crew of supernatural all turned into zombies (laughs) oh my god it was foreshadowing it was foreshadowing foreshadowing Sorry. Okay. Uh, so uh, my question's for Adam now. So in the Too Legit to Quit episode, we didn't get to see Gary's future and we were all kind of curious, was there a scene cut <laughs> or do you have a happy future for head can't happy future for Gary in mind? I can't speak English now. Yeah, I mean, I, I, that was interesting. I thought the same thing when I read the episode. I was like, what's this all about with it? But but I I think Gary's happy future was uh, yeah being on patrol with Gideon together on the ship. Um, you know maybe that would have been the 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 fitting finale. The the they're together on the ship and the ship goes throughout time and then <laughs> and then at the end Gary gets kicked out of the ship by Computer so, Gideon and that's the end of the show. <laughs> We, I think the, the, the writer's room answer to that question was that Gary was so in love with Gideon that he was not going to push the issue because he sort of figured in that way that maybe if I don't say anything, I'll just get to be with her. Uh, there's also some complications because he's really not supposed to be on Earth. <laughs> he's supposed to be in Necria. Um, <laughs> as the Necrian that he is. So that was, that I think was, you know, part of it as well. But we like to look at it as more from Gary's perspective that he was kind of like, yeah, maybe if I don't say anything, I could just stick around and be with Gideon, which is what she asked him to do in the end. 
yeah. for, for 25 minutes before she <laughs> threw you at an airlock. <laughs> Eat. Yeah, my next question is for Morgan. And so I just wanted to ask, so you've helped co-write uh, Necromancing the Stone and Eggplant the Witch in the Wardrobe, which are two amazing episodes. And Thank a lot you. Uh, they deal a lot with Avalanche and their personal insecurities regarding relationships in general. I don't have any of those. So I don't know. I was like, using my, totally my imagination. <laughs> so... <laughs> We just kind of wanted to ask, like, how did you go about, um, like, diving into Sarah's past and necromancing a stone and Ava's fears about her future right. and her identity with Sarah and eggplant? And also just the idea of purgatory being an Ikea. Kind of yes. Uh, awesome. It comes up so often in conversation, you realize. First of all, I do just to your earlier question, like, it is totally just luck of the draw that I've ended up writing as many Ava Lance episodes as I have. I mean, it feels like in hindsight that I have just two skill sets. I write bottle episodes stuck on the wave rider and I write Ava Lance romance <laughs> scenes, but it was not, it was completely coincidental, but I feel very lucky because those two women are great to work with and that territory is really rich. And we as a room decided very early on that once we got them together, we weren't going to break them up. We were like, look, that story is old. It's old for couples of any gender orientation. We don't need to see it because there's so many amazing stories to be told about a couple that is healthy. Like there's still plenty of things that go on in a relationship that's working. So just to start with that, that we knew that once we wanted these two people to be together, we wanted them to be together and we wanted to see what challenges would be thrown at them as a couple. Um, and as people, you know, we didn't want to lose them at all. Um, we wanted to maintain each of them in their own journey, which I think is kind of getting back to your question. I mean, I think both of them um, are, very relatable. I mean, even though one of them's, uh, you know, whatever, an invincible uh, alien hybrid and one of them is a clone, like ultimately, like, you know, Ava's somebody who is deeply um, trying so hard to maintain control. I mean, they kind of have this dichotomy where one of them's like, is happy to just, you know, shoot from the hip and sort of that idea of control is out the window and she's comfortable with that. And then Ava, tries so hard to put everything in a binder and, you know, which makes them a great duo. And so, I mean, I think, you know, if I'm being honest, yeah, I mean, I think uh, we all have some piece of Ava and Sarah in us. And so I certainly looked into my own, like, you know, relationships and questions I've had about what's scary about connecting with somebody and letting yourself be vulnerable. You know, I'm a big Brene Brown fan. Let's get in there with the vulnerability and shame and, um, and see what that would do for both of them. I mean, they're both in that in eggplant in which the wardrobe in Ikea, like they're really sort of talking about getting, you know, married and like, what does it mean to accept that notion that you could be with one person for the rest of your life and how those two different women would respond to that. Um, the Ikea thing came up in the room, I think, but I don't think it was a stretch. I think as soon as we realized Ava had to be in purgatory, especially for somebody who's so, you know, wants to be in control of things and like, what the fuck is more annoying than one of those booklets that don't even have any words in them, just like a <laughs> man who's all knows, like, I don't know what screw this is. Uh, and I do, I love that moment and I believe it, you know, that moment where they put it together and say, it's not perfect, but it's ours. And I think that's what we feel about legends. You know, that's how we always felt about the show. Look, it's not perfect, but it's ours and we love it because of that. 
Yeah. Um, now I'm the that's one. It's beautiful, Morgan. It's gorgeous. Did you have any queer rep you went like in your childhood or anything that kind of inspired you during writing the Avalanche scenes and anything? Any queer rep in terms yeah. of? Um, I mean, mostly my, my friends. I mean, honestly, like, I just feel like it's something that, uh, yeah, in terms of like media where they're, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I grew up in the nineties. There wasn't a ton. Um, you know, we had Buffy. I mean, yeah. we had Buffy, you know, um, yeah, kind of, <laughs> yeah, but you know, I grew up in a community that has a lot of all sorts of people. <laughs> um, and you know, I guess one of the advantages of having gotten into the arts at a relatively early age like that's always what my community was you know um and people were very open about it very vocal about it and I just you know have a lot of people in my life and that I think have been in, in, inspirations to me but it is true I mean it's not a ton <laughs> I don't know I was just thinking the other day about Cindy Lauper's song When You Were Mine and there's this line in it where she goes you know she sings it because it was a Prince song but she never changed the pronouns and so she has it and she sings it with like she says I know you're off with another guy um and so either she was dating a woman who's now dating a man or she was dating a man who's now dating a man and I was always like I don't know I always thought women like like, like Cindy Lauper who were just like fuck it like you know like we're just gonna put it out there and it's you know <laughs> life is life <laughs> like, you know but yeah I, not a ton not a ton the world's gotten a lot better in some ways <laughs> uh. <laughs> and, and I mean I can speak to exactly um some of the people in the chat is that Anna Sarah and Ava, Ava Lance is like one of the first healthy positive queer relationships I saw on tv at least when um like and I was just getting out of college getting out of, um out of high um getting out of high school it was definitely nice to see this positive healthy relationship where there wasn't the fear that something awful was gonna happen yeah yeah um I I grew up with Buffy so obviously when Tara got killed in first barrier gaze and to have that not happen in legends was fantastic i love that well it's great to hear that i mean it, you know I, I don't you know like as a writer we are so aware of all of the tropes but you also you know want to write honestly to the people you've created and not you know be influenced by the outside but like i said i don't know if it was in particular because it was a queer couple or if it was just like, look, these are great people and these are great characters. And like, why, why make them miserable? And our room is full of incredibly healthy relationships. We just happen to have a room full of a lot of people who are in healthy relationships. So like, why not we look around and like use our own <laughs> lives for inspiration rather than like falling into some narrative trap? Um, yeah. I still remember. I I very remember. Cry, I just started crying when I saw them in the bed scene. I don't know why. But that just made me absolutely start bawling. Just knowing that hey, I could have that. Yeah, I know. And uh, Jess and Katie, you know, they really em embodied those people and did such a great job. And, and they are so wonderfully connected as actors. They, they, they really had so much fun together and you could feel it. They were all just playful. You know, it's like, I know the fans have spotted it, but like, we don't script, you don't, you know, you don't, don't script to the level of like, and then Ava takes Katie's, Sarah's hand and then Ava touches her hair and then Ava puts her hand on her chest. They found all of those things and made them their own, you know? And, and I think 
that, you know, that's just the gift we had. We had this wonderfully talented cast who wouldn't, like I said, they owned the characters. They knew them and they would call us out. I mean, they'd be like, I don't think, I don't think I would do that. I don't think I would say that. I'd be like, couldn't you have told us that before we started shooting? <laughs> okay. Um, my question's for Adam. You've got to be an Elseworlds crossover when no of the other legends were. How did that come about? Because crossover uh, does them. <laughs> my understand that came about because one of the writers of Supergirl, her name is Nikki, I believe, but I don't remember. Morgan, do you know? I'm, I'm trying about? to remember. Yeah. I she, remember Nikki, I, but I don't remember the story. It was just, yeah, fortuitous. She was a fan of legends and she was a fan of Gary's and she thought this would be funny. Like, why don't we just put Gary in, in this episode? And they asked me, I was like, yeah, that sounds awesome. I get to work with the arrow and the flash. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Flash? Uh, oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, putting crumbs out there, but maybe uh, there will be a new flash. Uh, yeah. There's a, they're looking for one right now. That's right. So <laughs> <laughs> no That's comment great. made by any half powers up that would make any decision so far they have not made a comment about it but you know mm -hmm. people are talking about it specifically yeah. the six at, of us or really just least. two out of us <laughs> two out of us um so yeah so yeah Eden, that was the it was just just the that supergirl writer who who uh pushed for it and yeah was lucky to be a part of it i think that's also the crossover where like nate distinctly says yeah we're gonna pass on the crossover mm -hmm. <laughs> so, that's a hard pass yeah great that's line, line Love that. literally my favorite line yeah <laughs> there was also a version of that line i think where it was diggle's christmas party <laughs> <laughs> When, when James first wrote it, I think there was a version of it where it's like, yeah, oh, Diggle's Christmas party, hard pass. <laughs> it's almost funnier. That's great. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I think sometimes also uh, what Morgan was talking about like uh, that, that the sometimes if the actors felt that like uh, my character wouldn't say this, I almost never did that. I just have a different perspective on it, which is, which is, uh, I maybe to, maybe to a fault trust the writers, and so if I, if it doesn't feel right, I have to make it feel right. So like that is a that is a a challenge for me as an actor to to take what is given and eh, it doesn't feel okay. Well, okay, I'm gonna have to make it work. So how can I make it work? And I I, fi I find that. Uh, exercise to be uh challenging but also uh you know it's a collaborative process the writers spend a lot of time thinking about these things and and um you know we should at least try maybe it's not gonna <laughs> work maybe it'll mm -hmm. get cut maybe it'll be on the cutting room floor like the scene where gary and gideon <laughs> the chocolate sauce out <laughs> chocolate sauce on the cutting room floor somewhere <laughs> i don't know if cave. i i even want to know context <laughs> <laughs> yeah you don't want context you just want to see it one day well but i mean day. i think 
the you know the other side of that is that we knew that about Adam so sometimes it would be like okay we need something really okay what what should how is Constantine gonna get this unicorn situation hand like okay well Adam's gonna have his nipple bit off like we like Adam you know was game for things that you know made us try to push it even farther <laughs> what, what could happen that's true that's true I thought that was amazing. I was like, this is fucking the craziest <laughs> shit I've ever read. This is awesome. Yes, you wait. Yeah. <laughs> well, we were coming back off of Bebo. We had to do something. <laughs> yeah, that's true. true. All right. Um, my question is for Morgan. So you've co-written some of the best Sorry episodes. Um, like Here I Go Again, Ahead of Her Time, Sorry Not Sorry, I love that title. <laughs> <laughs> that was a title written before an episode. We just had that title around like, some point we're going to use it. <laughs> love Great a good title. pun. Um, so how did you create the two distinctly different variants of that same character while still keeping the heart and soul of Zari, Zari in general, her character intact? Yeah, she was really, it's such an interesting thing. And in some ways, I mean, I wish I could say how brilliant we all were that we had this sort of like core of Zari. And, but there is something to be said that you kind of inherently, uh, you kind of by osmosis embrace who a character is and Zari. Um, Tomaz was somebody who really, once we found her, was such a strong voice. And so I think we sort of knew the pieces of her inherently, which were that um, she's a survivor in both of them end up surviving in different ways. And she's an incredibly independent, um, and in many ways, private person. And like, you know, both of them have these protective shells around them. They just look different. And so, I mean, I think that all of those things, um, remained like, even though we kind of were like, and with Tala's egging on, I mean, because she kind of pitched some of these versions of her that, you know, we kind of tried to take her as far in another direction as we could. But ultimately, like the things she was wrestling with were um, feeling isolated, feeling alone, feeling like she had to take care of herself um, and feeling like she couldn't trust other people and that she couldn't let them in. Um, and so, you know, knowing that about her was was always very helpful um, to sort of figure out how she would handle a situation. You know, I think we've built her with, with, with Zari Tomas. And then when it came time to make Zari Tarazi, it was, yeah, we had this kind of real sense of, of what she'd struggled with. Um, and so, but I don't know. I mean, it also just speaks to, I think, what we find again and again on Legends, which is that like the human experience is universal. And like you can be rich and you can be famous and you can still be really lonely and you can still be really unsure of yourself and you can still be not feeling like you don't matter. Um, you know, so I, I do think in some ways, yeah. every time we would partner, like two people would be like, well, what happens if it's Nate and Gary? We'd be like, oh, Nate and Gary share, you know, like Gary has some real insights about Nate's love life. Uh, you know, it's like every everybody. Once you get past the the, the bullshit chit chat, like we're all just trying to survive. You know, so uh, so many things we discovered when we would pair people together, how much they had in common. Um, I think for all the legends, the human experience is universal. <laughs> we're all connected. That's right. We're all connected. We're all connected. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It is profound. 
Totally. Uh, mm-hmm. So, Ada, my question is for you. Mm-hmm. And it was, how was it playing um, uh, Charlie as Gary when Charlie shifts into Gary for that Legends of Meow Meow episode? And then very briefly, <laughs> Zari was Gary when she put his glasses on and grabbed control of Sarah Lance. So how was that to Both play? memorable. Character? Uh, yeah, it was really fun. I can't, I guess uh, the Charlie part of it felt very, uh, it was kind of new and like, um, I was kind of more more focused on the like how is Gary talking to Gary and like the the logistics <laughs> of that. Crazy episode. Yes. Yeah. So so I, I I I'm not even sure uh, how much like thinking went into like the Charlie part of it uh, because it was such a bit of a mind fuck that one. Um, also, it was like, wait, what's going on in the story? Wait, where are we? What version? Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> Well, and also and, Charlie had only been introduced in 403 and that was episode right. 408. Like Charlie was a pretty new character. <laughs> yeah, because it's Charlie, but no accent. It's still, you know, so I, that right. that became the, the Zari part of it was felt much more. Okay, I kind of expected that would be like, a, we thought, it's, I thought at least at some point that Gary's glasses would be like a thing that would be utilized. <laughs> throughout and and i don't know maybe it was maybe the writers talked about it or not but but uh i was like oh this will be interesting like oh man and then and then it became a little overwhelming like oh shit how if i have to play like various (laughs) characters how am i going to do that because because zari felt i don't know i could connect with that easier than maybe some others but um but it was really fun i wish i got to do more of it (laughs) you know what i'm saying mary absolutely yeah (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to remember because we did have some pitches of like for season eight, if like something had happened to Gary that we're like, well, we always have Gary's glasses so we can put them on anybody (laughs) and make them Gary. (laughs) So we could have had a whole different character that you played, you know, by by just putting your glasses on somebody. Yes. But for the comics. For the comics. (laughs) (laughs) And so what I'm actually about to ask is related to that because we kind of had another question that was going to do that. So for Adam, if you got to play any other character in the show, like a body swap episode, body swap episode or you put the glasses on someone else, who would you like to play or who would you like to play you? Who would like you play? Who you want to play Gary? Uh, oh, that's interesting. I think I would like to play Zari 2.0. <laughs> um, or Barad, maybe. Would be interesting, too. I think to play Gary... Hmm. I think I'd like to see Ava play Gary. I'd like to see Jess <laughs> play Gary. I'm sure she would crush it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That'd be amazing. <laughs> We did that to a lot of you guys. We'd have people, you'd have you play each other, which everyone had always had a good time with. Always had a good time. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it was, it would, the idea of it is daunting because I mean, at least for me, uh, I'm not that great at impressions and mimicry. And so it would be, uh, I'd be nervous about it, but it would be a great challenge. So I'd be up for it. We'll see. (laughs) <laughs> we'll see. 
this question is for Morgan. What is your favorite characters to write for and your favorite plot line? Oh, gosh, my favorite plot line. Um, um, I mean, I'm a sucker for a puzzle. So I have to say to Meow Meow, although I didn't write it, I actually produced half of it. So I was up there for it. Um, and I love a puzzle. So I mean, I went, you know, James and Ray wrote it, but they would call me in and I get to sit there and be like, no, 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 that would be here. That would be there. And so <laughs> I love those kind of those kind of things for sure. But um, and as far as like the ones that I wrote in that similar vein, like uh, back to the finale part two had a lot of that you know, that just was so much fun to be able to track like, okay, where are we in the timeline? What can people do? What would have happened? Um, but I don't know. I mean, it's hard, you know, to think back on like <laughs> on the, on the five seasons and think about like which ones, but the ones that always stay with me, I mean, Spooner and her mom always mm -hmm. um, uh, pulls at my heartstrings. Um, me too. Yeah, that was really powerful. Um, and I, Nate and his dad, actually, I mean, I mean, Tom Wilson's so great. Yeah. Um, he was such a wonderful gift to have with us. Um, I really enjoyed that plot line. I mean, things that have to do with family and parents and kids trying to, you know, kids trying to connect with their parents are always really powerful to me. Um, and, you know, getting to do the time loop, which was only the second episode I wrote, like it was a really, you know, what a, a gift to be given at such an early stage in the show. You know, Zari Tomas, I think, um, I, I like to say, I think both of us have evolved a lot. But I think when I started on the show, I would say I was somebody who five years ago, I was somebody who like, you know, was not as in touch with my emotions, had a, used a lot of humor and sarcasm to kind of protect myself and disarm people. And, um, That's still and, me. <laughs> and so her story around that and her brother, I mean, I'm incredibly close with my brother. And, you know, I would think about him all the time when writing the scenes about Berard. And then when Berard actually got to be on the show, I, he was a big touchstone for me. So I think her story really always resonated resonated with me part because it was something I got to start the show with and also because she as a as a person really connected with me as someone who is incredibly loyal has a huge heart but isn't so comfortable <laughs> letting people know that um so she was always a pleasure to write um Constantine's of course incredibly fun to write his voice is incredibly unique I mean Gary's really fun to write because he was a goofball and because he was a huge heart so he would always have this perspective that was so different than everybody else's perspective um so I I definitely enjoyed and he could do the jokes like even like the last time I was up there and Adam and I were and I was back on set and we were doing that scene where Zari's finding out what her future is going to be and she's making audible lipstick and we were like what if Gary says let your lips do the talking and we're like that's great like <laughs> Gary can say that, that like, Jess probably you know Ava probably can't say that you know which is really fun and Gideon in seven, season seven Gideon was also a pleasure to write because you just have this person who is got this you know wholly other experience than than any of the other legends um so she was a really fun character to write too and she's amazing amazing to work with also right no so talented mm -hmm. so talented yeah I, we just kind uh, want to let you know we were recording like an episode with just some of the other fans like right after cancellation having our again midsummer cry oh. session um just out of our 
special episode and we all said that like if, if we're trying to write it's impossible to come up with best episodes of the show like definitively what are the best but we all said here here i go again is all in our top five. Oh, thank you that yeah uh, gary, me too. Gary, and when gary when we were just like where should we put gary <laughs> He's trashed and stuck in <laughs> 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 that was an early like where do we put gary so i was like yes i'm in the episode yes. <laughs> wait wait I will let you know, uh, Miss Floor is the captain of Green Ship before it even happened here. And um, when you threw him in the trash, we thought it was Gideon flirting at some point. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. No, what did she say? Because I thought it was funny. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it would be funny. Uh. That was a great pickup, guys. I'm thinking it was flirtatious. That, that was, was Floor uh, over here. She's very impressive, Floor. <laughs> Yeah, Adam, awesome. do you have a favorite episode that you have when looking back on all of them? There's so uh, many. I mean, that one is one of them. It's hard to pick a favorite. I mean, I think, uh, or in addition to that one, I th- the the one where we're trapped on TV, I thought was pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. Very yes. ambitious. Uh, yeah. And it just looked amazing, too. It had so many different incredible looks. Uh, that One thing I never saw from that episode is the opening friends song that they <laughs> shot and recorded and then oh. friends came in and was like no can't use that or I guess Warner Brothers. Oh. Oh. So that exists somewhere i wish i saw that also well you had some really big episodes too adam in season four and also the one when you like control everybody to get that was get really payback. fun yeah yeah Gary yeah, Green is yeah. all the men we need. That was really yeah. fun with Evil Gary. Yeah, those were those were great episodes. Did that? Yeah, the the also the episode. I mean, I guess is that the same one or is that the next one where Neron like gives Gary the nipple? I think that's. <laughs> I think it's the next one. The next one, yeah. That was oh, that was really fun, yeah. and Brandon Brandon was <laughs> awesome in that too. So yeah. there, there's so many. Nipple. <laughs> yeah i just love all so the nipple much. shit because it's just where, where what other show is gonna have that i mean honestly it's incredible and before i it's go a testament to, to you guys morgan honestly <laughs> and before i go to my next question i will tell you how much those episodes kind of meant to people who were we've spoken to you know before about this uh in various cons but how much that meant to people that were bullied and high school and stuff so it meant a lot that's amazing people like us that were like hey there's a character on tv that's like us so that's awesome um, well thanks for sharing that yeah Yeah. um so my other question is since we're going with this how was it to work with amy so much during season seven how did uh gary and gideon as a couple come about uh it was amazing it's it was actually weird because when i first met her I mean, I don't know if it's weird, but just when I first met her, I guess was uh, in season five, I think. With the fates. Yeah, when she, with the yeah. fates, where she yeah. was hopping around like a bunny. We yeah. just got along so well, almost like we were already just like good friends. Like it was it was so relaxed. And I mean, I guess, you know, Amy's always been part of the show. She's been there since the beginning. But but so there was she already came in with like a comfort a relaxation and then and she's such a friendly great person that you know so um and then when when i found out that there was going to be like a romance there i mean i i just thought this is this is perfect we we really we're we're such 
we get along so well that it was it was very playful and fun and and uh it was a pleasure yeah we pitched it as i think it was inspired because we felt like once gideon came to life and we knew that that was happening and just felt like she and gary shared this just innocence and this like this just this curiosity and this childlike wonder about the world and, a, and such a positive attitude and it just felt like I mean I think it just sort of every time we think about it it would kind of you know make us all feel a little gooey to have just this incredibly like pure love like just to have these two really pure people and have this incredibly pure love which is why it's so heartbreaking what happens you know in the final two episodes and thank gosh they were able to get back together in the finale. Yeah, I will say forever with the Thumb holding always gets me. Gets that me. you guys made that up, right? Yeah, we made. Yeah, we made yeah. that up. That was just, uh, you know, a discussion of they have to have something different. It can't be just like holding hands because that's that's horrible. That's right. so <laughs> passe. I mean, that's been played out. Holding hands. Who does that anymore? So <laughs> it was. Yeah, it was something that that we created, and I'm glad. I'm glad that. Uh, that um, you know, it resonated with you guys. That's great, and it's funny also because Gary kept—I mean, in previous seasons, you know—he's trying to like hang on to anybody that gives him any attention, whether it's Constantine or you know, there was a little bit, a little moments with Mona as well that she parried him away. Um, so yeah, yeah, I'm I'm glad that there was that Gary at least did find love. Well, and I do think he evolved a little. He was a bit of a lech with Mona, to be, to be honest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the question yeah, is, that's fair. did he find his sunglasses? Did he find his sunglasses? <laughs> no. Oh, yeah, because... Yeah, yeah. So many things to keep track of. <laughs> I know, yeah. So many. It's a rich show. So I'll just take the next question. Uh, Morgan, this uh, question's for you. Um, So we really love the episode Need for Speed and Women's Places in the War Effort. Oh, thank Uh, you. And uh, both of those looked at kind of the prejudices of the past with our characters in the present future. Like I thought it was a really great parallel to have Nada's Hoover hanging out in like the front of the train while Gary and Barad are together in the back explaining why everybody would murder Herbert. that's not his name j edgar hoover (laughs) yes the other other one too who knows the the worser of the hoovers um yeah so we were just kind of say like how do you and the other writers kind of approach these and work these in because i thought that was really well done you know i mean i think uh you know let's all be honest like these last two years i mean pandemic aside you know black lives matters happened and affected all of us and we've had a show that travels through time and you know there's always been this sort of keep the timeline intact thing and kind of that when we thought about it we're like wait a minute that's sort of a mandate that was handed down by rip and like what does rip represent but like kind of a white man narrative and like when we found ourselves stuck in 1925 we thought well this is the perfect time for us to embrace the fact that the world is not the narrative that was in the history books, you know, that there's all these other people whose lives um, never make it into the history books and, and for whom life uh, was often incredibly difficult. And of course, mirroring today, we were just taking that opportunity to dig into some of the things that, you know, we're all thinking and need to be said more often. 
Um, and that's one of the gifts of having a show like this. First of all, our team is full of people who've had all sorts of experiences that, um, you know, because of whether of their gender or their color of their skin or maybe their orientation sexually, although we always tried to make sure in our show that that was never something that we sort of harped on. We thought we've got this incredibly diverse team that's incredibly positive, but the world isn't that. And I think some of us, I think we all as a room just felt like we can't keep pretending that like we had an episode in season six, you know, where Astra goes to try and live in Constantine's house and faces, you know, racism at the hands of her neighbor. And, you know, in some ways I wish we could have done more, but we are also a superhero action comedy. And, and I think it's, you know, I do think you, you know, you get a lot out of working in some of those moments in ways that maybe weren't expected in a show like ours. You know, I, I think it's a seven season show. We did get opportunities that maybe we wouldn't have had, but the bottom line is it was important to all of us to start making a bit more of, um, I don't know, a little bit, more of a statement about the reality of the world we live in and the one that our team, you know, dips in and out of. And because they were stuck in 1925, we always said this season was the one where after the mission was over, we didn't get to go home. You had to stick around. And so mm -hmm. when you stick around, you see how it, the you know, like, you know, when Zari's there in, um, after the speakeasy one, and Speakeasy does it and realizes that like, well, what would have normally been our big exit, we're not leaving. And instead we find out that this poor guy's, you know, place is being closed down. Um, so, you know, uh, that was an opportunity for us to, to tell some stories that I think um, all of us had been dying to tell. And again, you know, you just get lucky with the episodes you get. Um, I happened to get two episodes where we got to dig into it. I was a history major, so I was happy to geek out on it <laughs> so, <laughs> and have some fun with those into, you know, like black Rosie's not something that, I mean, even as a history major, I didn't know much about, I hardly knew anything. Um, yeah, me neither. So that's always feels like a win. Like we got to talk about something that, you know, I didn't know that much about and is an incredible story. Totally. I'm going to add Speakeasy Does It to one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> I love that episode. There was so much going on in that episode. Yeah. It was amazing. Fight scene with uh, Nate and Gary. <laughs> Wish we could have done more of those. <laughs> Absolutely. It was really fun. I love a fight scene that's like all really about a relationship. <laughs> that's yeah. always the best. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> Just bringing in something for one of our friends uh they loved that gary and barad finally got a little bit of a plot line together and that they were really fun together in that episode need for speed yeah fun dynamic. yeah really fun yeah that was at one point he just was like massaging me that was <laughs> that was just shy <laughs> thought it would be a nice way for barad to ease uh, ease gary's uh neuroses <laughs> <laughs> and I certainly was not saying no to a massage. So she actually brings an interesting point. Was it a conscious effort to put Gary in the back of the train because of the alien part or because you're Jewish? I, I, I'm just curious about this. That was our thinking that, you know, at that time, you know, oh, what just happened? Oh, hold on. I'm getting a call. Oh, <laughs> How do I stop this? Send a voicemail. <laughs> Classy professional. Um uh, yeah, you know, at that time being Jewish was, you know, that was some, uh, certainly uh, Jews were facing a lot of prejudice at that time. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, you know, we wanted to, you know, Barad and Gary both um, 
both were going to be looked at as as uh as different as as foreign as so i appreciate that as a fellow jew thanks (laughs) (laughs) this was when adam and i developed (laughs) that gary was specifically had a jewish background before we knew he was an alien (laughs) yes yes my my head canon is he dropped into a shul and found out he liked the jewish people so he adopted (laughs) that's good i like that good (laughs) yeah yeah, so my question, um, and I'm also just history geeking out a little bit over Black the Black Rosies. I got to read more up on them. Um, but was there ever something that you really wanted to show in writing, whether it was plot or character development, that got left on the cutting room floor? <laughs> it's hard to oh, remember. No. <laughs> I mean, boy, we got to we got to do so many things. I'm trying to think. Adam, do you have any answers <laughs> while I try to think about this one? Okay, we're not going to lie. Uh, how much cost in green did get cut? <laughs> not a lot. No, not a lot yeah. of constant green got cut. They don't They don't dare cut Constantine because he'll mm-hmm. he'll put a spell on them. They're The writers are scared of Constantine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, just that, just the chocolate sauce. Let's all just pour one out for the chocolate sauce. I mean, I really do think that every season we tried to pitch an episode where somehow Katie Lotz would end up in a breakdancing situation. <laughs> we just were like, we Absolutely. have this incredible talent. Like we need to get a breakdancing. Yes. And I did have a, a, a pitch that I would frequently bring back, which was that I felt like the women of the wave rider should have to pose as the Spice Girls. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. I didn't know that. Uh, That's awesome. (laughs) Um, There was also, I don't know. uh, Yeah, I'm trying to think of other evergreen pitches that we would try to do again and again. Um, But no, I mean, you know, it's like it more just feels heartbreaking all of the stories that we started. You know, it's like we've got a pregnant, a a female couple with a pregnant woman pregnant with the other woman's baby. The beautiful friendship developing between Spooner and Astra and Gideon. I mean, one of the things that you know, I think was just beautiful about this show was friendship, you know, like we got Mm -hmm. to explore friendship, which I think we always talked about how infrequently that is the core of the show, you know, like so many romances and whatnot are out there, but I don't think we have enough good friends. And so I think we got to do that so many times, but they only, it's only just beginning. Where were Berard and Gary going to (laughs) go? I don't know. Totally. Um, yeah. Um, and the cast and had a great think, friendship too. I mean, relating yes. to that, we really did. Uh, and especially during COVID when it was kind of the safest people to hang out with. I mean, we wanted to hang out with each other, but we knew we could hang out with each other because we are all sort of in the same bubble. So we started going to movies together where we could, it was only us in the theater and we had game nights together and, you know, um, and that was thanks to the show, really. I mean, yeah, we wouldn't have met each other, wouldn't have known each other. I think that shows up. Aww. I mean, I feel like that always showed up on screen. Yeah, mm-hmm. It did. It did. Mm-hmm. How much you guys liked each other. Yeah. Yeah, I never felt like I was going to work, certainly. <laughs> it was amazing. I got to hang out with my friends and have a blast. It was fantastic. Even though it was long hours, but... I mean, whatever. 
Uh, yeah, so I guess one of, one of our questions, uh, this is our self-indulgent question, uh, <laughs> that's for both of you, I guess, is that, again, we mentioned one of our very favorite episodes is Necromancing the Stone. And so that idea of John and Gary coming about, they were such a great dynamic. And how did that even happen? It's just because they're both complete opposites of each other. <laughs> Well, and I think also, I mean, certainly help me out here, Adam, but I feel like also because Gary was attracted to confidence and power. (laughs) And so when he met Constantine, like it filled that incredible like need for him. It was, I think, a natural attraction for him. And I think Constantine, I mean, my feeling was it always sort of surprised him, but in the way that like, it's pretty useful to have a lackey, you know? Totally. (laughs) Yeah, he never, he never really like necessarily like uh fully was like come with me gary but he also didn't he was never like get the hell away from me it was just kind of like oh gary's here but it doesn't matter i'm thinking about my own things i'm doing my own things here hold this you know whatever (laughs) and oh great oh yeah i'll hold this you know like um and so i think probably because constantine uh accepted his presence that to gary is a massive win you know this is like the coolest (laughs) coolest craziest most rock and roll guy like of, of in the world right now and he's kind of cool with me here awesome i feel like his acceptance of gary is kind of what made constantine a legend right because i feel like constantine in the comics yeah yeah that's so no much. way <laughs> that was like our spin on him would be that like well but underneath it all he kind of is a bit of an egomaniac. So having this guy who's totally into him and will do anything he says does appeal to him. And like, ultimately, like it did bring out some soft moments from Constantine. (laughs) Totally. A little Mm -hmm. R spin of him, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that episode, what episode was that where he, um, where he thinks he's dying? Uh, Mortal Mortal Kombat. Kombat. (laughs) Yes. And bequeaths his home <laughs> to Gary. Like that was, that was amazing. That was bad. Um, but I, I don't know if you guys know that dirt when we were shooting uh that episode, Matt actually was like <laughs> almost I don't know if he if if it was like psychosomatic, but he actually like gave himself bronchitis. <laughs> Like he was oh coughing so much that, and then became sick and then was actually sick. And I was like, what? And it was, it was crazy. It was crazy. Such commitment. Method Such acting. Commitment. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this is a question for both of you guys. Who was your favorite guest star across any of the seasons you worked on? I know there's mm. been so many. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the first two that come to mind for me are Tom Wilson and and uh, Neil McDonough, Damien Dark. Yeah, yeah. And Papa Haywood. Uh, both, I mean, first of all, they're both like geniuses, incredibly uh, both well-known for, for obvious reasons because they're mm-hmm. so ridiculously talented. But then on set, I mean, hilarious storytellers, just like completely lacking. There's no ego, no bullshit, just like basically like they they both of them came in and like they were just everyone was just like at their feet listening to story time and it was amazing amazing um yeah i mean also just thinking about people who showed up and brought it 
Kamadeva in Seance and Sensibility. This amazing yeah. guy who shows up and just sings and dances. And he was incredible. Um, I was always a big fan of Ray Palmer's mom. <laughs> she did a great job. Yeah. I thought she was really fun. Um, and then there's a few people who, you know, the woman who, um, in the, in the premiere of seven, season seven, the, like, we've got the bullet blondes, Loved the bullet her. blondes here, <laughs> that lady, I, I'd be like, if we could, we would have brought her back if we could. But I mean, I think the king of all of the guest stars in my book, and especially during this renew and save legends campaign has to be Mr. Parker. Yes. Oh, yeah. yes. Unbelievable. He's Eric so much. He's just so lovely. He's incredible. Fantastic. And like, the number of like, dailies, like the things that I wish we could have put on of him just sitting there being like, <laughs> you know, rattling off about his issues with his father and his alcoholism <laughs> and whatever his like ex-wife is up to. And like, he just embraced this like, you know, perverted version of Mr. Rogers in such a beautiful way. Amazing. Okay, we need a spin-off now. We need a Mr. Parker I know, he was so good. <laughs> Fantastic. And then I'll end uh, it obviously with uh, season seven, Speakeasy does it mod obviously. Yeah. Well, amazing. Yes. Yeah. Aubrey Reynolds. Mm-hmm. Yes. She was amazing. Very lovely singing voice as well. Mm-hmm. Although some of it, I think she did. She sing a bit. She does. A but bit. I think part of that was was Amy. I don't know. I don't know exactly. No, but Aubrey sings. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, No, she yeah. does. Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah, on her video, on her Save That's Renew Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, that was Aubrey. I saw that. <laughs> we appreciated it. There was also, for whatever reason, it really always stayed with all of us in the in the, in episode three hundred one, where when Sarah's working at Bed Bath and Beyond or whatever we <laughs> called it, and uh, and he, she, <laughs> the guy tells her to go clean up the mess, and he's like to go clean it up, and he goes, "There's a whole mess of conditioner," <laughs> and for some reason, it always stayed with us. There's a whole mess of conditioner. <laughs> he was so passionate about it. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. I love that. <laughs> Need to watch that. I don't remember that. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know why. But once you hear it, you can't can't forget it. He was great. That's awesome. So I'm next up on our document. So even in the wake of cancellation, what would you like for the legends going forward? Well, what do you mean? <laughs> You, you know what? We're gonna save you. Just pretend, <laughs> like um, maybe a closure. Yeah. Mm. I, I, we do like that. It kind of ends like a Monty Python movie. Yes, we do appreciate <laughs> that. We're like that is literally the Monty Python and the Holy Grail ending, and we they're all arrested. Um, well, I mean, there's, uh, I mean, I think there's infinite stories to tell with these people, but mm-hmm. of course, I mean, I just think we all want to know what happens to Sarah and Ava. I want to see, you know, I want to see what happens with all of our characters. I mean, I don't necessarily know that any of them belong living a normal life in the regular world. Like it's hard to imagine our family breaking up. Um, But uh, I would, I would love to, yeah, I would love to see, um, I'd love to see how we find the way that they, continue to be their found family or the way that they, you know, in a positive way, move on and learn from each other how to be strong and independent, but stay close a way that a family does, you know? 
Mm-hmm. But and it's hard not to want to see Donald Faison. He was so great. I mean, yeah, I got to work so with him on great. set. That was, was the so best good. entrance, I have to say, of a guest character ever. <laughs> so good. Amazing. Great Amazing. Guesser. Yeah. And he was a big fan of the show, too. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I also just think as an opportunity to show like pregnancy on television and to show parenthood on television um, in way in the legends way and to see parenthood in a community, you know, not just like, oh, these two people are isolated and it's just them. Like these two women have a family already, you know, and like I would have loved to get to play with like, what did that look like when Gary was the babysitter? And like, what, you know, like. <laughs> not because we children hint. Right, like all the uncles and aunts, you know, what do they each do with the kid? And um, that was just really fun to, for all of us to see like a woman being a badass with a baby bump. And then also getting to see this great group of people, what happens when they suddenly are the elders to somebody else, you know? Cause like we said, like, you know, Sarah says like, I don't think we should tell the other eight that we're gonna have kids and, you know, until they're old enough to handle the news. Like they're all kids. <laughs> totally. <laughs> And I think, uh, thank you again. And this is going to be our last question just uh, that we already have written and just wanted to ask like, so how has it felt to watch the love from the fans during the hashtag renew legends events on Twitter, Instagram, just anywhere on social yeah, media. Legends, yeah. Incredible. Incredible. Uh, I'm yeah. It's, it's amazing to see the level of, the international quality of it is really incredible. I mean, it is such a global show, um, which is amazing. That just shows that all, you know, different cultures can connect um, with these stories. Uh, And, you know, I hope that, uh, (laughs) I hope the powers that be are moved by it. I don't know. But I, but I'm certainly moved by it, and I know the rest of the cast is. I mean, uh, yeah, it's it's incredible. Yeah, I, to echo what Adam says, it has been incredible. It's been really moving. It's it, it just a it's something that um, I, I never, you know, starting five years ago on this crazy superhero show, I don't think it crossed my mind that what we were making was something that could really mean so much to so many different people. You know, we put all of ourselves into writing these stories, but you never know, like, you don't know what you put out there, how people are going to respond to it. And this has been um, just an incredible month to relive the memories of these episodes with people to whom they really resonated with. And, and I think also, like, I just feel really grateful to how much people have been willing to share with us about what they've been through. I mean, just the number of tweets that I've read of people saying how the show helped them through a dark time. Um, and we've all been through a dark time. Like we can all feel that. And so I just was so moved to see how like open people were about like, what they've been through and how the show helped them, you know? So it's been really moving and I don't imagine I'll ever have an experience like this again. You know, I do feel like it's a bit of a once in a lifetime kind of a show. So I just feel lucky to be a part of it. Yeah, definitely. I echo you back, Morgan. I echo back at you. (laughs) Reverb. Tell you like, what actually legends meant to us as you know the viewers um 
again, I'll go to the Spooner plot line. Um, that meant a lot to me because I've been, I question a lot over the years, fun stuff, but it, it was really, it meant a lot, a lot to a lot of ACE people to have that representation and we're kind of yeah. sad to see it moving forward, to be honest. Yeah. That we yeah, have us too. Character. Yeah. We just started. I mean, we had just started. We hadn't had any stories yeah. with her beyond just her coming out. Like, yeah. Totally. <sighs> Well, thank you for well, sharing and that. Like, and like, in like a few months, we'll we'll do another season of the show. It's fine. <laughs> look, <laughs> yeah. make, look, if I have to make the crochet dolls and just use my camera, I will do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. It was... um, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to share my experience. Um, I mean, I've been watching the show since day one. Um, like Mary said earlier, this also got me through college and I just seen different characters adapt to different challenges. I saw myself so much. I saw myself struggling to fit in with who I was, question um, my identity, question whether the things I was doing was the right path for me, just dealing with a massive um, failure and just coming back from that and just seeing that legends, it probably saved me a couple times if I'm honest yeah well thank you for sharing that yeah Yeah, thank you we have that episode where at some point they realize like you know what we have that no one else has is that we've failed a thousand times and we you know it was like when we kind of realized that as a writer's room like that's right like that (laughs) is a power that is a power it is totally yeah totally just kind of wrap it up same is that we've been watching since the beginning and even like during quarantine, it was, um, I think season five had already been wrapped. So they were able to air all the Legends episodes while the other shows were on hold. So it was nice to at least for a while have something consistent for a few weeks. Yeah. It's like, well, I know what day Wednesday is or whatever day it was airing. <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, but also just, again, this idea of identity and finding like your community, like the four of us here all met each other through the show and finding other people online who loved the show and it spoke to them. And now we have a podcast and we're lifelong friends now. And wonderful. Amazing. Just been the part of the legends community just extends so far. And we're all grateful to the show, even for being once in a lifetime. Well, and I just, the positivity in the fan community makes me so happy because I think we try really hard in our show to always find resolutions to the stories that are positive you know like we don't want people just to be mean to each other or do things just for drama you know like people feel like fairly early on often in like the second act we would, would resolve what would have been a plot for something else because people are just like I'm sorry you're right <laughs> I didn't need to do that <laughs> and that's because that was important to us to be putting out something into the world that was positive I just think what you're saying like during quarantine it was like I just had a little box on my desk that I'd turn on and there were like 12 of my best friends <laughs> that I get to talk to and you know and live in this fantasy world together you know where it's like a collective dream that we're all having <laughs> it felt that way for two years <laughs> yeah totally amazing Anyway, yeah. Well, this- thank you guys for sharing. Yeah, for thank you so space. much, guys. Uh, thank you for totally. joining us. We appreciate it so very much. Absolutely. It was an honor. 
Exactly. So happy for you to just um, answer our questions, indulge us a little bit. And again, we're all sad about cancellation as all of you, and we'll still keep the dream alive. Apparently, yeah. there will be a billboard eventually. <laughs> I can't wait. I keep That's telling the people amazing. I know in New York. Yeah, it's incredible. It's incredible. It's incredible to be part of something like this. It does feel like entering into some echelon of television that I never imagined. The Buffy's, the Fireflies, certain Star Trek, you know, just things that kind of will have a place for generations. I mean, I don't know, generations, because they probably won't have television. They'll just live in a virtual space. But like, um, I don't know. It does feel like this show ended up becoming something unique and, you know, it, it, it it's not perfect but it's ours <laughs> totally sometimes we screw things up for the better right. hey. <laughs> so thank you guys congrats on the pod as well that's oh, awesome thank you yeah uh, means a lot and again uh we just want to thank both uh, morgan and adam for taking their time to come and talk with us here on the pod you um once again round of applause it's hard to do on Zoom, but we're still. You don't moving. have a button like an audience, like. Ah. I wish hey I had Zoom, if you're listening, that's the next upgrade. Yes, <laughs> try and edit one in if I can. <laughs> um, but yeah, so just to wrap it up again, we're Legends of Next Week. You can find us on Twitter at Week Legends or on Instagram Legends of Next Week. If you have any questions, ideas, or things that you want us to talk about. In our other upcoming episodes, you can email us at legendsofnextweek at gmail.com. And and to wrap up, I'm your host, Mary. I'm Eden. And I'm Kate. And our lovely hosts. And sign off. Or guests. Oh, us. Oh, actually. This is your podcast. This is your podcast. Take over. It was a good run. Uh, (laughs) This is Morgan's house signing off. Adam Seckman signing off. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Uh, Thank you so much. And to everyone else, we'll see you some other week. Bye, guys. Bye.